Good morning, Rotobotters. How's it going out there? Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. It's a Tuesday, so it's waiver wire day. Um, this waiver wire is going to be just a teensy bit different than the ones we've had so far. I'm going to try to keep it as tight and organized as possible. Now I'm doing it, so you know, we'll see how, how 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 much that actually comes to fruition. But uh, I will be um, on the Rotobon um end of this thing on rotobond.com in the waiver wire i'm going to have a little piece beneath the waiver wire so you can go find the stuff you need you know quarterbacks from this time to that time running backs from this time to that time if you only want one position i want to i want to try to make it a little bit easier for you to uh find what you need rather than you know listening to 30 or 40 minutes of a podcast when you only need five i'll try to help you find that stuff um as i have said um and this week you're going to start to see it uh, a little bit. Uh, I am shaving down the amount of time I spend on the waiver wire. It's not going to be a living article like I used to say the way it used to be. Uh, don't get me wrong. I will be updating the waiver wire. If I see something, I'm going to say something. Uh, but I am basically taking three or four hours of my Tuesday and moving it forward. F- you know, forward looking versus back looking. Uh, it's it's just what I need to do to get to where I need to be. Um, so it's still going to be the Rotobond waiver wire. It's still going to be that that 20% of the waiver wire that made it different than the others. That's the part that I most want to keep. So hopefully you guys sort of, you know, understand that as we move forward. It's not like there's not going to be a wire on rotobond.com, but it's going to be a little different. And sometimes I'm going to I'm just going to leave you guys links to other free waiver wires that you should check out. Um, and you know what? Just do me this favor. Don't judge it too harsh this week, next week, week after. Look at it at the end of the season and sort of see what it's evolved into. I think we can do better than we've been doing, and I think we can do better with me spending less time on the waiver wire. All right, let's get into this. Um, we're going to start with the quarterbacks first. Um, as far as week four went, I hope you guys had as good a week as I did, and it would have been by far, and I mean by far because I had a really good week, but that was <laughs> that's after I took Joe Mixon out of about 30, 40% of my lineups. Um, and I did that, I, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously I regret the decision. I was on him for the right reasons, but I'm pretty, uh, you know, I don't like playing guys with midweek injury report stuff. And I, you know, I stuck with it. I think over the long haul, that serves you well. Uh, this week, you know, basically if I had just not heard about this stupid chest injury, he would have been in my lineups and I would have had at least one lineup that hit 240. Um, and that, you know, hey, it's tough to take, but, and I'm going to talk about this later because I plan on doing a special DFS podcast this week, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday, I'm not sure. Um, but it's just going to be more about what I've been learning versus specific week five stuff. And then we'll have a typical uh, podcast later on. So that's something, if you're one of my DFS people, uh, I, I strongly suggest that you look with that. My, my goal for that podcast is not for it to be some you know, hey, look what I've learned kind of thing, but more of a, a, a humble-based look back at the things and the mistakes I used to make that I'm not making now and mistakes that I hope you guys aren't making either. Um, so let's get into this waiver wire. We'll do the quarterbacks first, uh, the usual process. Uh, and before I forget, um, the music you heard coming in on the intro was the uh, American Analog Set. Pretty cool sort of underground band, uh, worth checking out if you you know, if you liked it, they got a lot of good stuff. Um, with these quarterbacks, there are a lot of them out there, and I guess that's that's one of the points you want to make on this. This is a year, I think, where a lot of people, given the stress of having these guys disappear due to COVID and these injuries with no camp and all that other stuff, a lot of people are choosing not to carry extra quarterbacks, which, you know, means maybe you can avoid, 
you know, picking an extra one up yourself. But if you are inclined to look at the position this week uh, via need or just do on a stash or whatever, um, I think it's worth noting Tannehill was dropped in enough leagues where I saw he was below 50% uh, on Yahoo, so he's worth taking a look at. I think Baker Mayfield, um, we've talked about um, we talked about it in preseason, how the Browns you know, start out with some tough games. Um, and really, over the next two weeks, it's not anything great. But they do then go Cincinnati, Vegas, Houston, uh, the Eagles, which is sort of a pass funnel team, Jacksonville. Um, and then a couple tough games. But again, playoff matchups for the Browns. Um, Week 15 and 16, the Jets and the freaking Giants. I mean, oh man. So, you know, I think there are some reasons you might consider stashing Baker Mayfield in some leagues, uh, particularly if your starter sucks or if your starter uh, has really bad postseason matchups. You know, give yourself an option. Um, Justin Herbert on the Chargers, you know, I think from a floor perspective, sure. You know, maybe nothing that you really need to go after. And, you know, quarterback's a deep position. But this is a highly mobile quarterback who's throwing the deep ball. If they, you know, decide to let him run more, he could end up having some ceiling to him. So I think Herbert is sort of a stash. Um, Now, this week I don't love his, you know, game with the Saints. I know their defense might be a little bit battered, but I still don't like that on the road. But then after that, Jets. Dolphins, Jacksonville, Raiders. So I think there's some upside to Herbert, and I don't, th- you know, maybe they do some type of token thing to Tyrod because they did him so dirty. But I mean, how can you put Herbert back in the bottle at this point? He's he's changed the way their offense looks. Um, Gardner Minshew, you know, the schedule for Gardner I think is reasonably good. He's obviously had the one hiccup game, but um, you know, Houston this week, Detroit. Um, Houston again in week nine. Uh, there's some good stuff coming up for him. Although I think at some point you fade on Mayfield. I think it's week, yeah, it's starting week 10, Pittsburgh, and then Tennessee, Baltimore, Chicago in the playoff week. So uh, Minshew at some point does sort of turn into a pumpkin, uh, but for the next month or so you could you can ride him in some good matchups. Um, Derek Carr, um, you know, I know nobody likes to talk about Derek Carr. It's incredibly unsexy. Uh, but, you know, matchup with the Chiefs this week, um, then a bye, then Tampa, so it's not great. You know, L.A., not great, but the thing is, he's produced so far, uh, and, you know, he's had the Saints, the Patriots, the Bills, so, you know, they've done okay in some tough matchups, and things do get better. Uh, Denver, a great matchup with KC, Atlanta, the Jets, uh, Miami, um, uh, on bowl week, so uh, Derek Carr, I, I think, is... The statistics are underrated, you know. Well, actually, the statistics are what they are, but I think his play is a little underrated. And we saw him taking some real deep shots last week. He had a beautiful bomb touchdown that got called back on an illegal formation. So, um, look, nobody likes Derek Carr. I don't really like Derek Carr, but the numbers are what they are. And when they get rugs back, I think that offense is going to work. So, um, you know, he's out there, and he's, you know, he's free for pickup, and I think, on a good, uh, you know, when the, when the matchups are right, he's startable. So, uh, don't forget about Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins, we talked about him last week. I think this offense is changing a little bit um, because they have no defense, basically. Um, 
Uh, they got Seattle this week, then Atlanta. Uh, they got a matchup with Detroit coming up, and then Dallas week 11, Carolina, Jacksonville. Uh, there's some good usable stuff there during the regular season. Uh, so, you know, I think Kirk Cousins, again, if you're going to carry a second quarterback, um, look at your bye weeks, match it, match them up with his good weeks. There's some utility there. Teddy Bridgewater is out there. He, you know, as I've been saying, you know, I, if you go back to week one, I was impressed with how he looked. You know, the, the ball placement clearly was of a somewhat rusty quarterback, but it's gotten a little better each week. Uh, and, you know, he's starting to click in that offense. Um, you know, and that's a team where, you know, Falcons this week, that's really good. Falcons again week eight, nice matchup with Kansas City. Detroit week 11, Minnesota week 12, the playoff matchups are solid. So uh, Teddy, I like him as a second quarterback. Um, and then Daniel Jones is the guy everybody's going to be telling you to pick up this week. And I mean, look, if you're desperate and you need to start this week, he, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, any matchup with Dallas is is going to sort of scream, you know, volume potential, right? So, um, you know what? I know he's playing Dallas. I just want to confirm where this sucker is. Um, yeah, it's at Dallas. So, uh, Dallas just can't do anything right now. So, the question is, when Jason Garrett brings his new offense into Dallas, is, is he going to sort of get scared or is he going to break it all out? Um you know, it could go one way or the other. If they open things up, they could have a big day. They've got the talent, and this defense is screaming to be abused. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not personally comfortable playing Daniel Jones based on what I've seen from him so far and what I've seen from this offense and their inability to take a guy like Slayton and find a way to use him. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I have to actually shut up about the Giants right now because the coaching on that team is so gross and incompetent. The way they're using the talent that they have is just so disgusting I, I you know I, it's it's just sad you've got guys with clear abilities and you're you're you know they're forcing them in to 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 containers that 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 it doesn't show off their skills they're 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 saying this is the system you need to learn to play in it it's just it's everything we hate about NFL coaching and um I mean, New York right now is just an utter dumpster fire and, and, and as bad as the coaching on the Giants is the jet the jet coaching is worse but okay tangent over. Uh, and that's really going to do it with the quarterbacks. You know, there's there's a lot of good options out there. Uh, I think Tannehill's the one you really want to look at because if he's available, just grab him, even if it's as a backup. And then Herbert, I think, for upside is something that's worth chasing, even in some leagues where quarterbacks aren't tremendously valuable. Uh, the rest of these guys are just good, solid options. Okay, let's get into the running backs because there's some stuff to talk about there. Oh, what, you know, one last thing on the quarterbacks. Uh, Fitzpatrick is going to start this week, so if for some reason he's the only guy available and you need a quarterback, you can take Fitz and play him this week against San Francisco. Sounds like a scary matchup. They're not quite as scary as they used to be, obviously. So, you know, Fitz, Port in a Storm this week. And, you know, by the same token, the fact that they're sort of going through this dance every week. Um, and I was reading a couple things over the weekend about them playing more West Coast offense, which could be a precursor to making the QB switch. So, I think grabbing Tua, if for some reason he's floating around in a super flex league or something like that, you know, a short bench super flex, that could be coming soon. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick for short term, Tua for long term, uh, those guys could be pickups as well. Um, okay, over to the running backs. Now, I will continue to tweak the order of these running backs throughout the day, but as always, depending on your situation, some of these guys might be higher for your team or higher in your league format or might fit the way you're trying to build. If you need emergency help, obviously the player you pick up may be different than if you're trying to get a guy who may bust for you a couple weeks down the line. Um, 
so let's try to put um, these running backs in context. Uh, at the top, I mean, look, I don't think these guys in any real competitive league are going to be there. Uh, but Philip Lindsay, because of the toe, uh, because a lot of people were suddenly scrambling last week because of all uh, the you know the plays that were supposed to happen early who didn't happen late. Um, so Philip Lindsay uh, is out there, and he could return this week. Um, and within a couple weeks, he could work himself into an even share. It's possible. So I think Philip Lindsay is almost like a mandatory pickup in 12-team leagues, even 10-team leagues, if he's floating around for you, um, just so you can see what happens when he comes back. Um, probably a little bit higher than Lindsay would be Josh Kelly uh, for the Chargers. Uh, obviously, with the injury to Eckler, Kelly is going to be you know, in some type of timeshare with Justin Jackson. Um, now, look, you can pick your own horse here, but the Chargers have sent us a little bit of a signal that they like Kelly. He's the bigger back. I think, I mean, not... I don't think this is necessarily the correct way to look at it, but, you know, they could have Kelly in the air quote Melvin Gordon role and now start moving Justin Jackson uh, into the old Eckler role. For all I know, it could be the opposite. For all I know, they're not going to work the roles like that. They're just going to let these guys play roughly the same role and rotate them to keep them fresh. And probably the one that plays better is going to be better. Now, Kelly... As you guys know, I, I am not I'm below consensus on Joshua Kelly. I don't think he's a dog or anything like that. He's an NFL back. I would have told you that before the season started. I just don't see the special. I mean he's got some power and some speed. You know, he's he, he's good catching the football. You know, he's sort of, like, to my way of thinking, he's sort of like a, a slightly less talented version of Damian Williams and without that type of speed. But he is a solid back. Um Justin Jackson, on the other hand, is a guy who has really overperformed what I thought he would do as a pro. Um, you know, his vision is better than I thought it was, and he's got a little bit more juice than I saw in his college tape. I don't get everything right, obviously. Um, and he's a guy who's changed my opinion. And really, this is the Chargers have done this with both of these backs, where, you know, I thought they were okay in college, but the Chargers are getting something out of them. So I think the thing with this backfield is that. First of all, Kelly, again, Kelly should be owned. So probably, I think most of you are just looking at Jackson. I, I would go after Justin Jackson. Um, and I don't think league size is that important right now because, you know, I think the underestimated player here is Jackson. And I think people will underestimate the odds that he could actually end up with the bigger role. I mean, first of all, if Kelly just keeps fumbling, that'll do it right there. Um, and Justin Jackson, I think, just in, in my personal viewpoint, is a little shiftier in tight space. Uh, you know, Kelly's a guy who just likes to pound it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think Justin Jackson, um, again, a little bit better of a back than I gave him credit for, particularly on inside runs. Um, so, you know, if Justin Jackson's floating out there, he's probably not going to cost a ton. I think he's worth picking up. Um, so we've talked about uh, Lindsey, Kelly, Jackson. Uh, now, look, top of my list this week is probably Damian Harris. And the reason for that is because, well, A, as most of you guys probably remember, I like Damian Harris. I think he's a good back. Um, and, you know, I sort of made fun of the beat reporters last week talking about how he's the best back in faux camp like who the hell cares um i mean it matters a little bit because you can see what the team thinks of him if he's playing a certain role kind of yada 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 but 
to me, the film you need to watch on Damian Harris is Alabama. That's where most of the film is. It's real football. It's the SEC. Um, and like I said last week, you can say what you want about Damian Harris. He's a jag. I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying that on Twitter lately. Um, people like, and I've heard some straw man arguments like, oh, Twitter's going to be so disappointed with all the buildup on Damian Harris. And but Like, what buildup? I haven't heard people building up Damian Harris. I've heard some beat reporters and there's some buzz, but nobody's saying he's going to be the next coming of Jim Brown. Um, the reason we like Damian Harris is because he might be a goal line back for the Patriots, and he might be the back doing most of the early down running for the Patriots. And if they get Cam Newton back, that's a good gig, folks. Because if you're doing a lot of RPO with Cam Newton, you're going to get some free lanes. So, you know, and the thing about Damian Harris, and I've said this before, so I don't want to go too long on this. But he's a good fundamental back. You know, he, 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 you know, the Patriots drafted him for a reason. Saban teaches his players well. And, you know, he's a guy, and I talked about, I, I had somebody actually send me a message last week because I talked about, you know, how impressed I was with him as a blocker. And someone said, you know, I don't care about pass blocking. Um, I wasn't talking about pass blocking. I was talking about lead blocking. Uh, I think the Patriots like guys who can get out in front. And, it, you know, it's not a coincidence that they draft tough running backs. Like, you know, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence they bring in a guy like Burkhead who can do everything. Guys like James White who does everything. That's the kind of player that Bill Belichick likes. If I need you to lay down a block for Cam Newton on a big play, you better lay down the effing block. This is a guy who will do it. And that was the point I was trying to make. Um... So is Damian Harris a world beater? No, he's not a world beater. But he's a guy who can absolutely run on early downs. I think he's underrated as a pass catcher. I think he's actually pretty functional, maybe even above average for an NFL back catching the ball. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, and, you know, do they have other satellite backs in New England who are going to keep him from being a, a bell cow? Yeah, of course. James White's going to have a role. We know that. You know, Rex Burkhead on some weeks will have a role. We know that. Um, but Harris is the guy who's got the size, the young legs, the health, and the ability to come in and be the 60% back on this team. So if, and again, the Patriots, if we, you know, the one thing we don't know about right now is Cam Newton. For all we know, he ends up having a tough COVID. Maybe Cam's out for a month. We don't know. Maybe Cam's back this week. I doubt that. Probably next week. We don't know. Okay. But w assuming this backfield gets back to a Cam Newton backfield. I think Damian Harris could be a real nice find. Not because he's great, just because he's good. But the main reason is because the Patriots run a tight ship. They run a good offense. They target opponents effectively. And, you know, this, this kid could be in the middle of all of that. So, to me, if Damian Harris is sitting there, I, I mean, again, assuming Josh Kelly's out because we know Kelly's got an inside track on a gig right now. So, I mean, you know, Kelly and Lindsay are at the top, but realistically, in most leagues, I think Harris is the best thing this week. And I would be fairly aggressive going to get him. No guarantee it's going to work, but you're sitting there at week five in the fantasy season and you might be able to land the most valuable Patriot running back. I'm down with that. And let's obviously, Sony Michelle is now out for a couple of weeks. I think it's pretty, no, no, excuse me, I think it's pretty clear now that Sony Michelle was taking one for the team and playing hurt. You could sort of see it in his running. Okay. Chase Edmonds is up next. Another one where, yeah, this might be nothing because Edmonds' usage doesn't scream he's about to pop. But if Kenyon and this is a tough one because everybody's dogging Kenyon Drake. Hell, I feel like dogging Kenyon Drake too. I mean, you know, oh, the industry was wrong. But you know, maybe we were. I don't know. But 
the thing is, Drake doesn't look horrible, okay? We knew this team couldn't run block. The whole thing with Drake is that they give him opportunities in light box situations to make big plays, and they're not doing it. I haven't seen one shovel pass to this guy. I haven't seen a whole lot of RPO where we see a lane open up for Drake. They're not targeting him, even though we know. I mean, this guy spent most of his life as being a receiver specialist. That's what he was at Bama. That's pretty much what he was with the Dolphins. So, I, you know, I'm not sure what the usage with Drake indicates, but I know it's strange, and I have a lot of, t I have a lot of trouble believing that it's what we're going to see for the rest of the year. But having said that, on the off chance that people are right, and this is actually about Drake and not the offense, then at some point Edmonds could get a crack at this thing. And if he does, and if for some reason they let Edmonds play the way they let play Drake last year, Edmonds could be a monster. So I think get if Chase Edmonds is sitting out there in your league, stash him. Like, like on a priority level. Get him and stash him. Okay? Um... A guy who you can probably play, depending on how the injuries shake out this week, could be Keyshawn Vaughn, who looked like Keyshawn Vaughn, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he's just a typical kind of back. But, but, his strengths are in the pass game. And he looked real good. Brady looked very comfortable throwing to him. And even if Fournette comes back, I don't know that Fournette necessarily can take this role from this player. So... I don't know how this back's going to shake out, but if Keyshawn Vaughn ends up landing the Thomas Jones role, what's the matter with me? I mean, um, the James White role, then he could be worth quite a bit. So I think this is definitely a time to go grab Keyshawn Vaughn in 12-team leagues, um, especially if it's PPR, uh, and hang on to him for a couple weeks and see what happens. And look, it's not like it's out of the question that he could play well enough to displace the guys in the early down role. It's not out of the question. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. I'd probably bet against it. But, you know, if you have him on your roster and it happens, you're going to be loving life. So um, I think um, Keyshawn Vaughn is a pickup. Um, listen, with the change in the, in the Texans' front office and coaching staff, I think we have to look at every player on that team like they're in a, a flux situation. We don't know what the new folks are going to do. Okay? So I think Duke Johnson who's now back healthy, who looked okay last week to me, I think Duke is a guy to stash, just in case. And obviously David Johnson is a guy who can get dinged up. Um, for the Browns, obviously Chubb being out really sucks. It's going to be multiple weeks. It's an MCL. Um, I think they IR'd him, so it's going to be at least three games. Um, and, you know, if it's not a major ACL, that's probably all it's going to be. But obviously Cleveland's situation may have something to do with, you know, how the timing of this whole thing shakes out. <coughs> Excuse me. And actually, while we're doing this, uh, I'm just going to take another look at Cleveland's schedule just from the standpoint of buys and stuff. So, yeah, um, he could come back against Vegas Week 8. I think that's definitely possible. But with the bye week, Week 9, it might be Houston Week 10 when we see Chubb again. And obviously, that's, that's tough to take for folks who have Chubb. So, having said that... Um, I think we need to start considering, <laughs> uh, it's amazing, but uh, Dearness Johnson. Now, and also, you know, Dontrell Hilliard even in really super deep formats. Now, the reason you go after uh, Dearness Johnson, it's not so much because of what happened last week. He actually put up a bunch of yards and, you know, you know, Cream Hunt didn't all of a sudden get a bunch of extra touches just because Chubb went down. Now, the reason for that is because I think Hunt wasn't, 
you know, Hunt has a groin and he wasn't 100% to play in the first place. So I don't think they were about to say, oh yeah, let's just give Hunt 30 touches today when he came into the game shaky to play. Now next week, as long as Hunt came out of the game unscathed, I think you'll see 80-20 in his favor in this backfield, which makes him a high-end RB1. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is not on any waiver wires, uh, but Dearness Johnson, I think, is the Browns' back. If you are in a jam, in a deeper format, you can go grab him and hope for, you know, standalone flex value. Um, he'll probably get some goal line touches here or there. Um Malcolm Brown and the Browns led them in touches again this week uh, after, you know, we saw, I mean, they just, they can't figure stuff out at the Rams. I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know why they decided to put the kid back in the box after he played so well last week, but now we're going to be looking at Cam Akers again. Uh, And Akers isn't exactly a target. Um, He was you know, dumped in a fair amount of leagues, but he's still rostered in 67% of Yahoo's. So um, I think go reacquire Acres if he was dumped. And I think obviously all of these Rams running backs should be rostered in 12-team leagues until we figure out what's going on. I hate to see this devolve into a backfield like the one in Baltimore. It's not that far off right now. But I think right now also all these backs uh, should be owned uh, in 12-team f- formats. Uh, Rex Burkhead still worth picking up. He's available in some leagues. Um, you know Brian Hill still the guy I think we want to go after uh, in Atlanta if we're you know looking to buy the girly uh, fade. Uh, I'm not going to be putting all these guys uh, on the waiver wire, but some important guys in terms of handcuffing. We talked about Jordan Wilkins last week. I think he's still a guy in deep leagues to use as a handcuff. I think in uh, Kansas City, it would appear that Darrell Williams is now back to being the handcuff uh, over Darwin Thompson. Um, Let me see. Uh, Jamal Williams still getting quite a bit of run, uh, but I still think A.J. Dillon in the event of um, Aaron Jones going down is a guy in really deep leagues worth rostering. Obviously, a guy like Tony Pollard is going to be a mandatory handcuff for Zeke owners, but not a lot of standalone value. And the big one, obviously, is Madison um, uh, for the Vikings. Like, if he's out there in a fair amount of leagues, and if I'm a cook owner, I don't care how small the league is, uh, I'm getting Alexander Madison. Uh, okay, let's get into some of these receivers. There's a lot of guys to talk about. Oh, and you know, one other back that I didn't mention, and I, you know, I guess I should put him in the wire. You know, I talked about the um, Ravens backfield before, but Gus, Gus Edwards is almost looking like he could take this whole thing. I mean, I, obviously you've got Dobbins there who could just break out and take the whole thing at any moment. And Ingram is the guy who got the touchdown last week, but Edwards is getting more carries than these guys right now. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's. Not the easiest thing in the world to understand, other than, yeah, Gus Edwards is also a good back. But like I said last week, at some point you want to commit to something. But Gus Edwards played 39% of the snaps last week. That's the most. You know, Ingram was there at 25 and Dobbins at 37, but Dobbins didn't really do much in terms of touches. So this is not an easy backfield to figure out. But right now, in a deep league, Gus Edwards got to be owned. I'm sorry, he's got to be owned. What if he takes this thing? He could end up being really valuable. I mean, it's weird. Maybe it would take an injury, but... I mean, right now, Gus Edwards played more than the other two backs. I mean, that's something we got to at least think about. Okay, I know this thing's going a little long. I'm going to try to speed this up as best I can, but there's some receivers here we really want to talk about. Um, You know, Christian Kirk, I know (laughs) he's been a bit of a letdown. I know that I've told you guys over the last couple years I'm not the biggest Christian Kirk fan, but I don't think he's a dog or anything. He's an NFL receiver. Um, I just don't feel like he's got 
I don't think he's that good in and out of his breaks. Um, but, you know, overall, he's got decent hands. He's a strong kid. Once he's got the ball, he can be sort of dangerous. And he plays on a high-volume offense, and that's the key, right? I mean, right now we know Nuke is the guy here. And Nuke actually has a little bit of an injury. Who knows? Maybe it could, it could get worse. We don't know, right? So Christian Kirk is going to be like the second or third option in a high-volume pass attack. If it gets rolling, he becomes like a weekly wide receiver too, okay? So... Like Christian Kirk can't be unowned in 12-team leagues. So if that's the case in your 12-team league, fix that. He's like 30% on Yahoo right now. It makes no sense. I mean, I understand all the reasons why you might want to like look at him in disgust, which is fine. But he belongs on someone's bench at the very least right now because he could heat up. This guy could start putting up 100 yard games like consistently. It could happen because of the offense. Um, now, would I take him over T. Higgins? I don't know. It's a close call. Both of them have to be rostered. I think Higgins has a little bit more ceiling, and it's conceivable that he could become the number one receiver on that team, or at least the number one receiver in the red zone. They don't have an alpha tight end, obviously. A.J. Green is flirting with being washed, and obviously, as much as we, you know, we really like Ty Boyd. He's not a dominant red zone weapon. So um, now they've got a running game that people are a little more scared of. You know, Higgins could keep scoring touchdowns. It's not outside of the ordinary. You go back um, to my rookie reports and you, you'll you find I really like this kid. T. Higgins is a guy I like a lot. Um, so absolutely don't let him sit on waiver wires in any leagues. Um, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a lot of people probably want to run away from him. Here's the thing with Scantling, and we've talked about this exact thing before. You put him as a number one receiver, he's garbage. I mean, he's complete hot garbage. He does not have the skill set to be a number one receiver. First of all, he struggles getting out of his breaks against top corners, okay? There's no doubt about that. But he also has trouble getting his, heads or his head around on the ball. He's late getting his head around all the time. This guy is good on the intermediate and deep levels, and he needs gimme stuff on the shorter levels, okay? He's a developing player. And you can see the development. He's actually getting better. I like, like, his routes are tighter than they were last year. I think there's a lot of things to like about MVS, but he is a complementary weapon. Now, why do we care about a complementary weapon in fantasy? Easy answer, okay? Aaron, Ro well, Aaron Rodgers is the big thing, but then Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are the other things. Defenses are going to be all over Jones and Adams. Valdez Scantling once the offense is correct, is not going to be seeing safety help and number one corners like he did over in situations over the last couple of weeks. He's going to be the guy in single coverage. He's going to be the Martavis Bryant in this offense, right? He's going to be the guy who gets good matchups, and when Rodgers likes what he sees, he's going to give him shots, and he's going to, he's going to make a lot of 30, 40 long game plays. He's going to have some long touchdowns. So MVS is a really nice, strong flex third receiver in deeper leagues. I love the idea of having him as the first receiver off my bench. Don't let him be unowned. But by the same token, I don't think he belongs at the top of this waiver wire class the way a lot of sites probably will put, you know, will tell you he does. I would rather have the next well, next couple guys on the list, to be honest. Um, Brandon Ayuk. Now, could Ayuk get caught up in the return of Debo Samuel and the return to health of George Kittle? Yeah, he could. But consider this. Shanahan loves the path of least resistance. And the guy that defenses aren't going to be able to account for because they have to stack for the run game on some level and you cannot <laughs> fail to deal with George Kittle because he will wound your inner child. And Debo Samuel, we know, is an established weapon and he looked 
close to full health last week. I mean, I didn't think he looked perfect, but he looks like the kind of guy in the next couple weeks he's going to get there, right? Once that happens, Ayuk is a wonderful flex play for you every week because to get him into a big play situation just isn't going to be that hard. Okay, so keep Brandon Ayuk rostered. If he's out there, I suggest putting him on your bench. He's a guy you can start any week in any format because he's always going to have a chance to make the big play. Uh, Mike Williams, Chargers. Tricky because I think he could be right up at the top there with Higgins, but we don't know the we don't know the actual state of his hamstring. Okay, the way the kid is playing, the kid we talked about at the top. All right, I mean again, I don't love Justin Herbert. But I don't hate him either, and the nature of his game, the way he plays, is a great fit for Williams, which is why we talked about Williams early in the year, that you know whether, whether it was Tyrod or the kid, they both are completely different than Phillip Rivers. Rivers was an awful fit for Mike Williams. These, these younger quarterbacks are good fits for Mike Williams. And, they're, and not to mention that, the Chargers, if you look at them, they're being aggressive. They're dialing things up downfield now. So Mike Williams... The second we know he's going to be playing, he's the third receiver. Any any week you need him. So, you know, I haven't heard anything about him, where he's at. But if we hear later today, so just keep your head in the news, folks. If we hear later today that Mike Williams is questionable for this week, he's a great pickup. Not for this week, but for the games that follow. Um LaVisca Chenault, I mean, still the playing time isn't quite what we need it to be, but again, he was active, looked really good when he was in there. The Jaguars are a rebuilding team. It's just a matter of time before this guy starts popping. I'm not letting him go on any rosters, and I'm picking up picking him up anywhere that he's available. Uh, Scotty Miller for the Buccaneers, um, you know, looked good again. Obviously, he's over that little injury. The, the, the obvious issue with Miller is that he's going to be sort of a light flex when Godwin is healthy. So Scotty Miller for this week, maybe next, real nice pickup, but I think the long-term viability is a little shaky. Uh, Russell Gage, we know what he is. Put him in there as your flex, and he's okay in a PPR league. Traquan Smith, he's hot. Um, Wonderful kind of uh, redundancy element to have. Uh, He's been saving my ass on both of my Michael Thomas teams uh, for what it's worth. Um, But, uh, you know, Traquan will come down back into flex. Like right now, he's a solid third receiver, but he's going to move down into that flex level area as soon uh, as MT comes back, and that could be this week. Um, some guys to consider stashing. Uh, Rugs, who could be back this week or next week. Once he gets back, if he's his full self, I think he's going to be a really nice player. Uh, Mikal Hardman, if his role expands just a little bit, he's going to be a weekly play. Um, some guys who are worth going after this week because they're going to be producing in the near term. Uh, Tim Patrick, Hunter Renfro, Golden Tate, uh, Zach Paschal, Greg Ward. Um, some guys to think about whose roles could expand if there's some injuries who I think really should be rostered in all 12-team leagues. Uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, I think the, 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 well, really just Claypool there. But, uh, well, Gabe Davis is another one for the Bills who, you know, if you guys go back and read my pre-combine, I really like this kid. Um, now, he's the fourth receiver. He's going to need an injury to be a thing. But, like, if you have Diggs, if you have Smokey Brown, This is not a bad guy to have on your bench in a deeper league because if either one of those guys don't play, Davis becomes a guy who's a really solid weekly flex. Um, 
who else? I think all of the Jet receivers are worth paying attention to because this is the team eventually that's going to start throwing a lot. I think Gase is a dead man walking. He could be gone real soon. So in deeper leagues, guys like Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims, um, even a guy like Jeff Smith, if those guys continue to be dinged up, these guys could have some value. Um, any more receivers that we need to hit? We're already over time. So let's get down into the tight ends. There's plenty to talk about here. Now, one thing to keep in mind with the tight ends, as much as they've been a little muckish, we do have a lot of good players out there posting numbers. So you're going to be able to probably stream tight ends for the rest of the year. If you don't have a solution at tight end, it's probably not going to kill you. Um, now, as we talked about last week, Tanyan looks real good, and he went and dropped three touchdowns last night. So this is going to be your last chance to get him. Uh, I actually read a blurb... <laughs> Well, this morning about how, you know, they still want to get Sternberger in there. Folks, forget Sternberger, okay? Robert Tanyan's the tight end for the Packers. He's going to be the tight end for the Packers, maybe for the rest of his damn career if he keeps this up. Uh, and I'm a guy who actually likes Sternberger, but, you know, until we actually, for some reason, see the Packers trying to change tight ends, let's let's take the guy who's scoring touchdowns, right? Put Tanyan in your lineup and keep him there until there's a reason to take him out, okay? So that's an easy one. After that... You know, I know everybody and their mother is high on Dalton Schultz, but folks, I'm telling you, it's the shiny object. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not a dog. He's not a dog. And you can put him in your lineup every week. But the reason he's popping is because the Cowboys are throwing without conscience. If that continues, he will pop every other week. And uh, he's absolutely a guy who should be owned in all leagues. But this, the production we're seeing, in my opinion is out of scale with what's going to be typical. So just, just keep that in mind. He's absolutely a guy who can help you, but this idea that he's like the next big thing, I, I'm not there yet, okay? Uh, and I'm, I'm almost more interested in Mo Ali Cox because if they actually gave him the gig, he could really be something, right? Um, he looked really good on his touchdown last week. The problem is, uh, you know, they're playing, they're playing too many guys. Um, I'm just going to look at the snap breakdown last week. Yeah, Trey Burton... Trey Burton played more snaps than Mo Alley Cox. Now that's just I mean, I like Trey Burton as a football player. And I, you know, I understand Jack Doyle has his utility, okay? But I mean feature Mo Alley Cox. The guy's one of the few guys in your team's consistently making plays. Um, he's still involved with the red zone. I think Mo Alley Cox is a pickup, but he is on some level a stash. So it's it's sort of fair to point that out. Uh, Eric Ebron, I think, is he's got a role. He's going to score some touchdowns. He's worth an add in, in 12 uh, leagues with uh, 12 teams and more. Uh, Jimmy Graham, <laughs> the corpse of Jimmy Graham, is still you know, getting five targets a week and catching three balls. If he gets a touchdown, he's good. If he doesn't, he stinks. Um, Jordan Aikens, be interesting to see what happens to him with the coaching switch. He's a good stash. Chris Herndon is still a good stash for the post-Gase, uh, you know, factor. Um, Drew Sample, I think, if you're really desperate, is still a thing. Um, anything else? Oh, and can, you know what? With the unfortunate injury to uh, O.J. Howard, I think in deeper leagues uh, and in, PP, uh, in tight end premium leagues, Cameron Brait is a good pickup. Um, and that's about all I have for the tight ends. I probably will have maybe some other thoughts when, when I put up the wire later in the day. Uh, I will probably add a couple more receivers, probably a couple more backs. I am going to do some scrounging and see if there's, I think, you know, if there's anything I forgot. Um, but that's going to do it. This was a little bit of a longer pod than I'd like to do. I will try to keep these things around 30 minutes going forward. Hopefully, uh, this was informative and helpful. Um, if anybody needs any help or has any, you know, 
tough tiebreakers or any kind of tough stuff as far as tonight's bidding or tomorrow's bidding goes, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I will be on Twitter late afternoon, most of the early evening, uh, and I will answer any question that is thrown at me. Uh, so onward, upward. Uh, I will be back, as I mentioned, with multiple DFS podcasts this week and the rankings uh, and all the other stuff. So uh, giddy up. It's week five. Let's enjoy football while we've got it. Hopefully we're going to have it for uh, a full season, but for sure we've got it right now. So get out there, make those bids, get some talent, fortify those rosters, and uh, let's hang some banners. Giddy up.